So we're on our way through the home. Who would have thought you could spend so much time on a home, right? But we started with the front, we started with the front yard. We talked about the stories that engaged the front yard. Then we moved into the coat room. Then we talked about the living room. Last week we talked about the kitchen. And today we move to the bathroom. Now, when we were talking amongst our group over the last few weeks and said, okay, we're working on this Holy Home series because we spend a lot of time here at the church talking about that this could be a home for somebody. So we wanted to spend a few weeks being at home and talking about it. I said, well, we should do one on the bathroom. People were like, really? You want to talk about the bathroom? And it's funny how even as adults, right, we feel awful uncomfortable when it starts getting towards the bathroom. I mean, it was okay that Abraham said, I wash my hands after I go to the potty. Thank God that was his first response. That's a good thing. But it's like we wondered, well, should we put a toilet up here? Like, what, what should we do? And, you know, sometimes we we joke and laugh sometimes because it's way to make things that are a little uncomfortable more comfortable. Why do we seem so concerned about the bathroom? I think it's because in our daily lives, it might be the place that we are most exposed. We can't hide in the bathroom. And really, our humanity, who we are at our core, is exposed. You cannot hide from yourself in the bathroom. It's a completely unfiltered moment in our day. And in a world that spends all of its time taking pictures of itself and running it through as many different types of filters and Photoshop ideas, boy, when we're unfiltered, it's even more scary, right? If I can't have the most clean, varnished look of myself on Facebook and Instagram, then what am I doing on there in the first place? Turns out it's a bad idea then to take selfies in the bathroom. And when people do it, we're sort of like, why are you taking a selfie in the bathroom? Because it's unfiltered and it's uncomfortable. And I don't think we like to be exposed in that way. I'm fairly certain that if we had church in your bathroom, you wouldn't be too excited about it. It's just another moment when we're vulnerable. You know, we talked about this at the beginning when we talked about the coat room, right? When we take off our coats, when we have surrounded ourselves with the comfort to beat out the elements from the outside, and we're going to take off our coats, and we're going to be in the comfort of the inside, That's shedding a layer of vulnerability. And boy, if there's one place where you ultimately are vulnerable, it would probably be in the bathroom. But it's not where just our guests are vulnerable. It's where all of us end up being vulnerable. Let's even take for a moment the act of washing or bathing. Now, when we're young, when we're babies, I think the expectation is, now we don't remember it, but I know that my parents washed me as a baby. Because I am convinced for every parent, a certain rite of passage is to have the picture somewhere of you washing your child. And it's always like the sweetest thing, right? It's always like, I'm staring 
deeply and lovingly into my child's eyes, praying that this is not the moment that, that this child decides to pee on me because you know that happens all too often in this bathroom moment. But I'm loving that child. And that child, even though they don't know how to express it, loves me in return. And it is beautiful. And I have arrived as a parent because this day I have washed my children. As I was going through this sermon preparation, I looked back on those pictures. And boy, did it make me feel good. Abe had this thing where, you know, those little baby solo cups, he would stick it in his mouth. And it would be kind of his way of playing in the bathroom. And he'd spit it out and he'd put it back in and he'd spit it out was a way that we built a relationship very early, right? Is that we played together. There's an expectation that we as parents wash our children. There's an expectation that our children are washed by us. We expect the vulnerability and imperfection of one so young that we must care for them. That's an expectation. I don't expect right now that my kids are always going to do a perfect job of washing themselves clean. We have vulnerability with each other, and I can help. Now, as we age, though, the situation may be reversed. And we need help from our children to be washed. Not the thing you're going to take Polaroids of. The vulnerability... And the imperfection of that moment is not the same. In fact, we almost feel like something is going wrong when it's our children's turn to take care of us. The vulnerability and imperfection of an adult being washed by somebody else is not expected in the same way. We're old enough. We should be able to bathe ourselves. Why should we have to be vulnerable? And sometimes it causes us to wait too long for the help that we need. Sometimes it means we're upset about the reality of our circumstances. And it means somehow as we have gotten older, it means that we have failed somehow. That we are not what we should be. We are not what we have been. And we are not what we hope to be at that moment. Why is that different? But it seems to me that that's exactly what Peter is going through here in our story in John. Jesus makes it very clear as one of his final acts before he is going to be crucified here in this world that he is going to take on a task that is vulnerable both for him and the disciples. This is not just a one-way street. Jesus is taking off his outer garments and he is going to take on a role that is usually reserved for the very least person in the household. The one that you always make do the dirty job. Go take out the trash. Go clean up the dog poop. You get to wash the feet. (laughs) So the dad's in. This is not the thing, though, perceived as the thing that somebody in Jesus' position as Lord and teacher should be doing, and certainly not the thing that he as the Lord and teacher should be doing to one of his disciples. At the very least, this should be the other way around. 
I mean, this is fully God, fully human Jesus. I should be so lucky to wash that person's feet. But yet, it's the other way around. And so Peter goes to two extremes. The first extreme you see in the text is that I'm not going to do it at all. I won't be this kind of vulnerable with you, Jesus. This work is clearly meant for someone else. You're asking to be in a place I'm not interested in being vulnerable, Jesus. You'll see my imperfect feet, what I see as gross and untouchable only by the least of these. And Jesus' response here is so interesting because what he's saying is, if you're not willing to let me wash your feet to do this thing, to be vulnerable with me in this moment, then I have no share of you. And the translation is always tricky with the Greek. I think the best way to think about it is not like you don't have a share, like, you know, a pie or something. It's more like you don't have a part of being in company with me. Sort of like you're not going to be my companion anymore. Sort of this Greek word meta as it's used in, in this circumstance. You won't be accompanying me any longer. So we get on this one side, right? All right, so I'm not going to be able to convince Jesus that we're not going to be able to do this, says Peter. So he says, I'm going to go for broke. Jesus, seriously, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my hands, wash my head, I really want to make sure that I'm clean. Because if you're going to do it, let's just really do it. And when the beloved disciple tells this story in John, there's this interesting play on words. The Greek word that is used here, katharos, katharos, can have two meanings in the text. One is, it can mean a literal cleanliness, right? I'm going to clean my hands, I'm going to bathe, I'm going to make sure to use soap, and I will come out clean. That could be used as katharos. But it also can mean a ritualized cleaning as well. And if you hear that word, katharos, sounds like a word that we use sometimes, catharsis, right? And boy, when you receive catharsis, isn't it kind of like being washed over and cleaned? If I receive catharsis, I can be washed clean. So Jesus, in this play on words, is being able to tell us both that not only are you clean, if you've been cleaned once before, both physically and emotionally, you don't need to be cleaned again. Except, of course, yeah, he mentions Judas, and that's always an interesting thing. But in general, we see that if you've been cleaned once, Except for the feet, you don't need cleaned again. So as a result here in this foot washing, we're put in this interesting tension then, but I think it's a key between, in our own lives and how we navigate a life in Jesus of vulnerable imperfection. When I was growing up in my grandfather's church, we would try time after time to get a youth pastor to come in. And so we would get somebody, and they'd stay for a year, and then they'd move on to something else. And so at one point, had a youth pastor who uh, was also a uh, computer salesman. Interesting combo. Uh, 
And here he is with a bunch of, you know, prepubescent and pubescent teenagers. And would say to us almost every week, boy, you know, we're all just dumb dust. We're all just dumb dust. And boy, are we so lucky that we have a savior who picked us up as dumb dust. You know, obviously going through and you are dust and to dust you shall return. Now, I am no youth psychology expert, but I imagine that it is not the wisest thing to tell 13 to 15-year-olds that they are dumb dust. Does not really seem to be the way that you encourage people in a walk of faith. We wonder why people might be leaving the church when they're young. Maybe calling them dumb dust at 13 is not the best way to invite people into the life of faith. But boy... Even if you haven't heard that, boy, that's a part of our stories, isn't it? Part of what we've been told that we're dumb dust, that we are nothing, and boy, shouldn't we be so lucky that God decided to pick us in our deeply sorry state. Pick us out and send us on our way. Boy, are we lucky. I wonder if I really felt if I was dumb dust in front of Jesus Christ who offered to wash my feet, if I would say yes, I probably would say no. Jesus, why should you wash the feet of such dumb dust like me? What good am I to you, Jesus? I am just dumb dust. Moreover, you might wonder why you just shouldn't be scrubbed away altogether if all you are is dumb dust. I worry so much that so many people, when they gather here on this day, that's the story they hear, and it breaks my heart. That somehow we are in such a condition about sin that we think we are barely lucky to be redeemed. Jesus invites us to think otherwise today. Now, on the other side, we can also bury our imperfection and brokenness so deep that we might forget it even exists. We live a life of permanent Instagram filters. We crop everything out that doesn't fit. And so our whole entire life is lived just within this little view, always in beautiful sepia tones. And it's buried so deep in the naked moments in our lives we are unable to process as we could. That if somehow somebody accidentally photobombed our picture, it's not the end of the world. But I'm worried that if we don't think this way or if we too often are so buried in our own filters that when we are naked and in front of ourselves in a cold reality, we might think we need to bury ourselves in all variety of fixes to be washed over and over and over and over again as if somehow Jesus and God were never enough. Jesus invites us to a different conversation today. 
Jesus, I think, calls us to a unique middle ground. Yes, we are broken and imperfect. We will need cleaning. And the ones that we, and the one who we presume has, let's say this right. There's a middle ground. And it's one that doesn't invite us to only think that somehow we are nothing but dumb dust, that we are not anything other than broken and imperfect, and that somehow the Jesus Christ who is Lord of all cannot be close enough and intimate enough to us to wash our feet when we need it. But on the, say, but on the other side... We aren't so lost. We don't need some intervention to be welcomed into God's commonwealth. We're not so lost, but we're not so found. We're not so dirty, but we're not so clean. It's why we have this confession and pardon and peace every Sunday. It's why I don't sit here and make you sit around for five minutes telling me all the bad things you did this week. Because it's not just about that. It's not just about your individual sin and the reality of that you are not a great person, that somehow you're dumb dust. That's not it. Yes, we need to recognize that this world is broken and imperfect. It will never be what we hope it's going to be. We have moments and pockets that this world is redeemed. But at times, we must recognize that there is a time every week that we might want to take a moment and say this world is not as it should be. But every Sunday, this water is poured. Every Sunday, there's a moment to be reminded that we are washed. We don't need to be fully washed clean, but sometimes our feet need to be washed again. But it's that vulnerability on both sides that we are broken, but we aren't irredeemable. Jesus wants to heal us. It's the moment when we're willing to live on both sides of this issue. We're not dumb dust, but we haven't been perfected yet. That Jesus wants to meet us. Now, this would be well and good if all we had to do is show up on Sunday and we were going to get a, clean, we were going to get a foot washing, metaphysical, literal, Monday, Thursday, come get a literal foot washing. Talk to any of us who helped with that foot washing and we can talk about the vulnerability on both sides that it requires to wash somebody's feet. That would be great. But unfortunately, Jesus at the end says, oh, because I did this, now you get to go do it too. Always making us go and do what he asks us to do. Frustrating. Friends, this is our call as well. It means at one side being a people and a place that can invite vulnerability and to acknowledge that there really is cleaning that needs to occur. That, yeah, the answer is not ever, never. But yes, there are times that We all need cleaned. We all need healed. But on the other side, it means being a people that feel no need to denigrate others so as to force them into believing that they need a bath every time that they walk into the room. Y'all, none of us are that stinky. 
None of us are that dirty. None of us have done enough that Jesus can't say, can I wash your feet? And if that person is out there, I'd like to meet him. But most importantly, it means that we might need to be willing to place ourselves in the dirt and the grime and the grit and the imperfection of each other and seek to clean it. Which might be the hardest thing of all. Yeah, there's vulnerability to be cleaned. Boy, there's vulnerability in doing the cleaning as well. To not say to somebody, you know, if you just put some cream on that, you'd be all better. Not to say, well, that's not the way I take care of my feet. To do a foot washing and then make sure to trim the toenails and then do the whole pedicure to just do the whole thing. No, it probably just means being willing to get down on a knee and clean dirty feet for folks who need it. It probably means hard conversations and soft hugs. I mean talking about some things that we don't like talking about. Wouldn't you like to find a middle ground to everything that's gone on in the last couple weeks? Because I certainly would. I'd like to know a place where people can have their feet washed but also be reminded they aren't perfect either. It means seeing the brokenness and belovedness in every single person at the same time, always. And it means holding a space in the tension of the world that is inconvenient, friends. I won't lie to you. But it is so needed. Wouldn't you like somebody to come up to you sometime and say, listen, I know things are not great. And listen, I know you've made mistakes. But I love you. And I care for you. I won't make you do a whole bunch of laps, but boy, I will love you. What kind of world would that be? What would a foot-washing world look like? It might be, thy kingdom come, thy will be. Let us pray. Gracious God, for your example, we give you thanks. Help us to be foot washers. Help us to have our feet washed. Help us to not pretend that we are so broken and also not so perfect as to need your grace and your healing. In your son's name we pray, amen.